0: Praise the Lord. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. Um, good. So first slide please. So if you just have a look at that and the next one and the next one. Right, you know, I just us to have um, a short quiz before we delve into the world, uh, just to be sure that you are awake. So, um, so next slide now. All right, so this is a very simple uh, non-verbal reasoning test. Okay, uh, it's to check if you understand um, analogy, which is looking at relationship between two things. So the first one, A, is um, a goat house and a goat. B is a mechanic garage and a goat. So could you tell me which one is closer, A or B? Yeah. Good, so they have a sheer common relationship, all yeah. right? Meaning a goat and a goat house seems to be closer in relationship uh, than a goat and a garage. But you know, at times in life, goats sometimes feel it is boring to be in a goat house and goats tend to want to do something new. It might be because it has been disappointed with the goat house owner, or it might be because it has been hurt by other goats around. But for whatever reason, there are times you just want to say, you know, let's go to the garage and see what is going, going on there. And um, as you can see at the goat house, the, you know, the, the picture is not very clear, but there are buckets full of water, Full of there are some bucket with mirrors, You have haze. You have all that needs. Actually, you also have a vet doctor, alright. Just in case the goat is hurt, um, there's someone there to look after the goat. A blessed goat, you will say, indeed, right? <laughs> very blessed goat. But you see, when a goat move into a garage, um, when it first get there, sometimes goats feels you know this is very interesting because everything is new. But there comes a time it becomes thirsty a bit hungry, then he goes around looking for water, and then he finds a bucket. Okay. When he gets to the bucket location, what does he do? He tries to drink the water. But unfortunately, buckets in mechanic garage are filled with dirty engine oil, very dark. So by the time he gets to know that, well, this is not actually water, this is an engine oil, and he's trying to get out of the bucket, remember, bucket has got a handle and goat has got horns. So the horns of the goat get hooked to the handle of the bucket. And that's it, all right? Now he's trapped, he doesn't trust anyone. He's hungry, by the way, frustrated in a new environment. Therefore, it is even very, number one, the people around are not vet doctors. They are not goat house owners. They are not used to goats. So to even help him is difficult. And even if you want to help, in, you know, this guy's all covered, he doesn't trust you, so he runs away. It's a very difficult position to be in, brothers and sisters. And you know, I just want us to reflect on that as people. Amen. Amen. So let us turn our Bible to the book of Jeremiah. <laughs> ah. Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13. Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13. Four my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hew out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. For my people have committed two evils. Amen. Shall we pray? Everlasting Father, we just want to thank you because you are here already. And all we are asking for is that, Lord, you open the eyes of our hearts, Lord Jesus, that we will see what you want to do this morning. That, Lord, you may touch us anew, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this morning I'll be talking about water, question mark. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, water, water. question mark. Yes. You know, this is very important because, at the, you know, now you're asking your uh, neighbor, water, question mark. At the end of the word today, Um, you'll be asking yourself, water, question mark. Can we say that, water, question mark, amen, water, question mark. So in line with reading the book of Jeremiah, um, we'll be looking at the book of Jeremiah, and basically there are 52 chapters in this book. We can't cover everything in 30 minutes or 35 minutes. Uh, So for the sake of structure and for us to be able to actually get something out of it, I've divided them into just three, and that is the messenger, the message, and the mediator. The messenger, the message, and the mediator. So let's open our Bible to the book of Jeremiah chapter 1. It's good to read the entire book, please, but we won't do it this morning. (laughs) So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1. I'll read uh, verse 4, I think to 10. Now the word of the Lord came to, to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord." Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. To build and to plant. So that introduced the messenger. You know, the message is very important, the message, but the credibility of the messenger is equally important. Before we go into the message, let us look at the messenger here, who happens to be Jeremiah. Jeremiah, in what we have just read, was obviously a guy called by God, all right? God happens to be his sender. his God a source? The source of his prophecy actually is God, so he has a source. So God is the sender, and Jeremiah the messenger. And God said, you know, I have the origin in mind. Right from your mom's womb, I knew you. Right from that time, I consecrated you. I set you apart for a purpose. Okay, so actually, Jeremiah was hearing God here clearly. But in spite of that, he was still what? Afraid, you know, he said, ah, oh, Lord behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. What, what an excuse. I thought it was the, you know, the youth that actually speak more. You know, they do a lot of chatting on, on Facebook, they do a lot of things, and you see, you and I, we find ourselves like Jeremiah sometimes. God has called us to nations. God has called us to speak the word of God in our workplaces. God has called us to be friends to someone so that one day they been come to know Christ. But what do we tell him? We are just a youth. When it's time to do things on Facebook, if we need to do WhatsApp and do all this technology, we are not youth, you know? Um, We do not have excuse about whether we can speak or not. But when it comes to talking about the gospel, we have story to tell. But praise the Lord because he was not scolded by God. He was not, you know, um, God didn't say, well, that's it, get out, all right? will look for someone else. Hallelujah. Because God said, do not say that, okay? Do not say that. Because for whom I send you, you shall go, amen? amen. And for you here this morning, for whom God has sent you, you will go, amen. amen? You will go, amen? And whatever I command you, you shall speak. And this is the encouragement. So do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you, Declared the Lord, amen? So you see, Jeremiah um, like I said, a guy who was called by God, right? A guy, every word spoken by Jeremiah was actually from God, not from him. It, was, it wasn't as a result of him just thinking, well, it's nice to stand in front of the king, like Josiah, for example, and tell him there's going to be trouble and all that. Uh, he didn't go to Zedekiah um, and the other king to just talk base and Jehoiakim because he, he actually um, was a prophet during the time of these three kings. He didn't do it just because he wanted to do it, he did it because God called him. And the same God gave him a message. A message to Israel, a message to individual, a message to nations. And I believe God has given every one of us here messages. All right, he's given us words that we can speak, a word of experiment to, to people. You know when, I think about 10 years ago I was Lancaster in a church called King's Community Church, just like um, this church. And um, I was part of the choir, believe, you, believe it or not. <laughs> and, um, you know, there was this particular rehearsal. Um, the, uh, the head of the choir actually asked us not to do any worship. There was no worship, there was no word. He just said, you know, pray over yourself and prophi- prophesy over uh, yourself. And we did. You know, this lady just came, you know, came to me. I've never met him, you know, now, maybe for now. If I met him on the way, I may not even re- recognize him. But he came to me, prophesied over me, and he gave me a particular picture, prayed and all that. Again, straight, you know, I would just say, you know, in Nigeria, this is called Johnny Come. I was brand new in the UK at the time. Uh, meaning even the picture she was painting, I didn't know. I didn't know that kind of she was talking about a particular flower. I didn't know the flower. Um, maybe he's in Nigeria and I didn't know, I don't know. But yeah, I didn't know what she was talking about. But I googled it and I "Well, oh, this is the picture she was talking about. It didn't look particularly applicable to me until seven years after. I was just driving, I saw a big picture of the same picture. I won't go into the detail, but you know, decisions that I make today, and many big things in my life are very, very linked to that word she brought to my life. And you know, I do not take decisions lightly, uh, and you actually look deeply into God what are you saying here because you gave me this picture and this picture is linked directly to this after 7 years so the word of God is powerful the word of God is potent uh, it's one thing to receive the word of God praise God let's receive that when it's from the especially when you know the source the credibility of the source but also when God gives us word let us be encouraged let us be bold to actually go out and give the word of God amen so that is the end of chapter one. <laughs> chapter one of the movie, not of the book, uh, which is the messenger. Now the message. The message was actually what I read earlier on, which is talking about um, Jeremiah two thirteen. I think it would be nice if we have our Bibles to just go through it ourselves, please. It's just one. Verse I think is very very important that verse Jeremiah two thirteen. So read it to yourself. You can read it twice if you want. Jeremiah two thirteen. For my people have committed two evils; they are forsaking me, the fountain of living water and heal out systems for themselves, broken systems that can hold no water. That can hold no water. You know, in the area of Israel, I don't know if you've been there before in Palestinian area, it's a place where you don't get so much rain. Um, so water is very, very important in that particular part of the world. So there are three key types of water in this area up to now. You still have it in some part of the, of the country. One is the fresh water. This water usually comes from the spring, okay? Fresh water. So they call it living water. Why? Because it runs continuously and it's you know, not easily contaminated. That is the best water you can get in this area. The second water is the groundwater. It's usually the well water we, we may be familiar with. You dig the water really, really deep and it gets to a point where you begin to get water. That's very good, but it's not as good as spring water. The last type of water is you know, when there is rain, you, know, you want to capture the water and store it somewhere. So what you do is you heal um, a particular big hole into a limestone, and um, what you do is also you kind of seal it to, ev- 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 um, to, to avoid seepage. It's a station where the water kind of gets evaporated or um, move into another part. So and you build like gutter around the city so that when the water gets into the gutter, it comes directly into the cistern. So in that way you can get some water that you can store, and you can use it for different things. So that's the water in a cistern. That thing that you dig deep into the um, ground is called a cistern. Now, that water cannot be the best water. I'm sure you know that. Uh, the reason is that there are lots of things that comes from the gutter, um, dirt, fields, uh, mud, and all that. But it's still water. It's still much better than having no water at all. All right? But it's not as good as well water and the fresh water. But you see, let's read that verse again. The Bible says, for my people have committed two evils. They are forsaking me, fountain of living waters, and heal out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, these guys have not just left groundwater for a cistern. What they've done is that they have a cistern that is broken, so there is no water at all. There is no water at all. So, actually, what's happening here is that it comes from, you can say, you know, living God is evil, is wicked, and is bad. It's stupid. It is also unnatural and foolish, actually, because you do not have water. You don't have water. Hallelujah. But why is this evil? Because the Bible says here, you know, it's talking about evil. It says there are two evils here. There are two evils. And I'm, I just wanted to get it very much this morning. Even if this is all that we've covered, I want to just get it. Like that goat. Why would you leave a goat house for a mechanic garage? It's not just unnatural, it is actually foolish. It's a stupid thing to do. Okay? So, when you talk about evil, um, broadly, you can call evil um, anything that is, you know, bad actions stem out of bad character. So, you have bad character, you act in a very bad way. Uh, you can call that evil. Well, actually, biblically, anything that kind of moves away or contradicts the holy uh, word of God, the holy nature of God is evil. Anything that contradicts the holy nature of God is evil. You can find that in Psalm 51, verse 4. And you know, just to make it that simple, if you look at the Bible and you test every time, God in Genesis for example, God kind of spoke to um, Adam and gave him one simple commandment, you shall not do this. And what did he do? Something else. That in the Bible was evil. When you look at the Ten Commandments for example, if you look at them entirely, you can divide them. Um, the Ten Commandments into two broad sections. The first section talking about God: Thou shall not do this, no graven image, no that, and that, and that. You know, time. So he's basically saying the relationship between you and I is sacred. The relationship between you and I is sacred. When you look at the second section, it's usually about Thou shall not commit adultery, you shall not bear false witness, no murder, don't kill, and all that. That is relationship between. You and someone else and your neighbor, all right? And God is saying that also is sacred. And you know, when Jesus was asked in the New Testament, which is the most important law, What did he say? He just summarized the 10 into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. And the second one is love thy neighbor as yourself. So God is basically saying these two things are sacred. When you desecrate them, you get evil, simple. It's as simple as that. And that is what these guys are doing here. They basically run away from God, and actually in the course of doing that, they make choices that's not just bad for them, but bad for people around them. And you know, for just in case you are at work or you are relating with people, and sometimes people who, when they were having fun in life, having everything to themselves, they, didn't, they said, well, there's no God and suddenly they have challenges around them and say, where's God in it? You know, if there's God, then there shouldn't be evil and all that. You know, simple explanation is much complicated than this, but simple explanation to this is really when there is rules of God, there's something that binds you together with God, and you kind of, you know, God says it is sacred. If you desecrate it, you have evil. That evil may not be originally from you. It might be from somebody else, but what you have, is evil, amen. So that is really, if you look at the entire book of, most part of the book of Jeremiah, is talking about these two things, basically. It's basically warning people of the imminent judgment over Israel. He was just saying to them, guys, if you carry on like this, so if you go back to the uh, the first picture really, he was like somebody telling the goats, guys, don't go to the garage. Do not go to the garage and go to just say, no, it's gonna be nice and so on. And the goat gets to the garage and he say, you know, when you get here at some point, you're gonna have yourself, your head in a bucket, all right? Would that be a curse? No, it's not a curse, it's basically a statement of fact. It's a statement of fact. I'll show you an example in, let's turn to the book of Jeremiah chapter seven. Verse three, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in this deceptive world. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, three times. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods, gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of oath to your forefathers forever. Behold, you you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. These are warnings from God. And I mean, from just those three to ten, you will see that the entire ten commandments are there. And these guys are basically just doing whatever they like. Okay, committing adultery, killing, murder, cheating people, and so on and so forth. So it was really when you read the entire book, it's a book of warning for the people of Israel at the time. So warning them of what is to come, of the uh, imminent danger of them continuing in their own way. Let's look at 17 verse. I think verse 13. Start there first. You know at some point Jeremiah got really frustrated. If you read through the whole book, you see him, So that's why they call him wailing prophet or crying or weeping prophet because he was just, at some point, guys, can't you see? There's danger ahead. Stop it, there's danger ahead. Turn to God, all right? And he kept on doing exactly what he wanted. So here he said, oh Lord, that's Jeremiah 17, 13. Oh Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth. They have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of what? Living water. They are forsaking the Lord, the fountain of living water. Again, I mean, when you look at that passage, I mean, for the 21st century, it's like, oh, this guy is being negative. This guy is being judgmental. This guy is, um, you know, it's not political correctness, you know, here because it's kind of cursing them, if you like but it's not a curse, Uh, it's actually a statement of fact. If you know somebody who is drunk and is going to uh, his um, uh, car to drive it, if you tell him you're going to crash, you are not cursing him, it's a statement of fact, he is going to crash. Yeah, 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 one day something bad will happen to him, it's not a curse, it's something that will likely happen. And you see, unfortunately sometimes, because he is carrying out something that is evil, evil is going to happen, but in life sometimes he might actually kill somebody who hasn't taken any alcohol in his entire life. That is life. When you forsake the fountain of living water, what happens is that you have evil. You have evil. You have evil. The question is, did this guy actually repent? Did they even listen to him at all? No. No is the answer. In chapter 38, for example, they actually, they drag him out and they put him in a cistern that he was prophesying about. And he was lowered down into a very big cistern that has a lot of mud in it. So he was actually sinking slowly, but God rescued him. God rescued him. Uh, In the end, in summary, everything that he prophesied about happened. Everything that he spoke about actually happened. So they were carried to captivity, bad things happened to them. And like I was saying earlier on, even the nice guy, Jeremiah, was kidnapped out of his own will, he didn't want to go, they forced him to Egypt, that was actually where he died. Even the guy who was prophesying to them to stop sinning himself. When the trouble uh, came, it affected him. I hope we kind of reflecting over this brothers and sisters. It's a very powerful verse that I encourage everyone to kind of study intently, study it really well and pray that God will open your eye into areas of evil. It starts from us, we think about our family, then our community, in the church, then we go outside the church, then the whole nation. What are those things that we do? What are those decisions that we actually make on a daily basis that separate us gradually from God? So that's the first evil. Anything that we do that takes us away from God, gradually, it doesn't happen just like that, gradually it takes us away from it's evil. Actions that we also take that, you know, it's like, yes, in the course of going away from God, we deliberately begin to do something that is evil, not just to us, to other people, is also evil. Amen. Amen. Sorry about that, but that's Jeremiah. It's not. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I know it's a bit of a low tempo, and uh, but praise the Lord, because in the same Jeremiah, you know, God spoke to Jeremiah word of blessings, word of encouragement, and words of what restoration. Word of restoration. Shall we open our Bible to the same 17 that caused people just a while ago? Uh, chapter 17, verse 8, this time. Let's say it's 17, 8, yes. Have you found it? I think it's verse, b- verse 7. It say, blessed is the man who... Anyone there? Trusts in the Lord. Blessed In in the midst of all these troubles, in the midst of these challenges, in the midst of this judgment and warning, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. That is in the same book of Jeremiah. Amen. Amen. Those who trust in the Lord will be blessed. They will have water in abundance. Amen. You have water in abundance. And if you open your Bible also, I think to 29. 29, I think we start 11. 29, 11. Say, for I know my plans. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan for welfare and not for evil. So evil was actually not God's plan, all right? Evil is a choice, it wasn't God's plan, it was something that when you walk into it, you have evil, but originally there is no evil. I don't know if that makes sense, there is no evil, but if you choose not to do the will of God, you walk into evil, so it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and what? A hope. A future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all nations and all places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So seeing that in the same book of Jeremiah, there is blessing, there is hope, and there is restoration. There is blessing, there is hope, and there is restoration. But the question is, when, Lord? When is that going to happen? You know, thank you, Lord, that at least, you know, there's hope now. But when is that going to happen? There's a passage in the book of Jeremiah that I think most of us will be familiar with. 31, 31. I believe. 31, 31. It says, Behold, the days are coming. Amen, can we say that? Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. So this is not just anyone saying it, it's the Lord saying it. Behold, the days are coming. When I... You know, Remember what actually caused the whole of this evil is the fact that these people had covenant with God and each time they broke covenant with God, all right? But God in his own mercy this time is saying, behold the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with your fathers on the day when I took them Uh, by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declared the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law within them. So my law will no longer be written somewhere, all right, in a place that can be broken. I will write it where? And I will write it on their heart, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. What a promise. What a promise. You know, if you look at the whole story from the beginning, it sounded really very, you know. But here, there is hope. There is a future hope. There is a future hope. And I don't know of you, when you read the entire New Testament, you see this hope fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That covenant that involved, you know, blood, involved killing goats or You know, shedding of blood, one way or the other, it was actually accomplished through Christ Jesus, and that is why in John chapter four, and that would be the last passage you will be reading this morning. You can see the reason we had the quiz earlier on because just to be sure you are not sleeping, and thank you for not sleeping, by the way. John four, (laughs) let's read one to maybe sixteen. Actually we can start from seven because of time. So he said, a woman from Samaria, John four, seven. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Give me a drink. Jesus, she didn't ask Jesus for water, Jesus asked her. So let's get that clear. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, and uh, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samari- Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and what would he do? He would give you a living water. Okay, he would give you a living water. right?" but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Welling up to eternal life. You know, we started with water. You know, guys that chose to kind of ignore fountain of living water for the worst of the water you can get, water in a cistern that is contaminated and even that cistern is broken anyway, so there is no water. You know, in the New Testament, we are not starting from the very bottom. We're starting from the middle, a well water. And Jesus is saying, you know, yes, you have well water, which is okay. We actually have water that is better, right? Now, the water in the Old Testament is a fountain of water that you drink. But the water that Jesus is talking about here is a water that you will never ever be thirsty again, one. This water will also get you eternal life. So you know, this morning if you just look at what I've said so far, we can see four broad things. One is the origin, we have meaning, we have morality, and we have destiny. So these are four worldviews. You know, in life, these are core things that when people talked about whatever religion, they kind of want to say, you know, yeah, this is what we believe and so on. But you see, in the Bible, this is complete and simple. You don't even need to read so many chapters. You can get everything. That God is the creator of all things. He is the origin, he started it all, and he sent a guy like Jeremiah to his people And what did he send them to do? He said, you know, you are here for a purpose. That's the meaning. So everything that people are looking for, all the water that you are looking for in life, and you said, you've come to me, I have that water. All right? Morality. He's saying there is always something called good and evil. Good and evil. Follow me, follow my commandment, and you have what? Good. Do otherwise, and you have evil. And you know, in John 4, we saw it clearly that when you drink of Christ, you drink of a living water. Not just a living water that gives you, you know, that quenches your thirst for once. You will never, ever be thirsty again. And um, lastly, it takes you to eternity, which is what happened after here. Amen. You know, brothers and sisters, I believe you really want to now. Don't don't worry about who's your left or your right. Just you and your God. If you can bow your head and just in prayer, ask the question, water, question mark. Water, question mark. So what kind of water are we talking about here? So what in my life constitutes kind of hearing a system that has water? actually, not just the one that is broken, but the one that has water in it, what is it? Is that where I really want to be, water that is not good enough, contaminated by mosquitoes, has a lot of mud, is coloured, it's not really nice, but, you know, it's water. Or do I want to move to a well water, it's clean, it's nice, but it's not the best? Or do I want to move to a spring water, the natural one? Or today do I want to take the supernatural water that I drink and I will never, ever be thirsty again? So these are the questions we need to ask. So I would just call on specifically people who today is really, day you know, maybe for the first time or you want to reconnect back to God. I'm not talking about people who are in Christ already. I'm talking about people who just want to say, Jesus, like that goat, I have done my own thing. And like Jeremiah called for repentance, I'm kind of hearing your word this morning and I want to say yes to you. I want to turn back, turn a new leaf, I come back to you. If there's anyone like that in this room, please can we please just bow our heads in prayer still, just continue to pray for yourself that God will reveal to you what he wants you to do, your response to what we've said this morning. So if that's you that you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, could you please raise your hand? Yes to Jesus. I want that water. I want water. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes to Jesus. Water. Please raise that hand very well. Or I'll just pray for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, just thank you for these ones that raised their hands, saying yes to you this morning. Father, this woman didn't come to you, went to her actually. This was a woman that was hiding from everyone. That was why he came in the noon when there was nobody at the well because of her sins and her lifestyle. But you, Lord, you encounter her, you change her life for good. And she was not just a career of that blessing but she became an evangelist of you. Lord Jesus, I just pray the same for them this morning in Jesus' name, amen. So the last set of people is really the people who want to say, yes, Lord, I am in that, maybe well water already, or I am in a fountain also, but I need more. Uh, Could we just please stand up if you're in that category and I will pray for you. I want more of God more of his water. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus. You know, in the Bible, Wokta is actually linked to the Holy Spirit. So for anyone who's never spoken in tongue before, maybe if you want to just begin to, for those who have been doing that, please, can we do that You know, briefly? And just let's begin to speak in tongue. Let's begin to, Worship God in his um, mercy and ask for more of him. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, come. Come, fill your people with that water water that they will never ever be thirsty again water that will well in them oh lord hallelujah and lead them into eternal life hallelujah yes lord yes lord yes lord hallelujah hallelujah father in heaven we just want to thank you this morning thank you lord jesus for how you've touched us thank you for lord for your word this morning we just bless your name oh lord jesus father you said those who trust in you they will be like planting and they will never worry about water yeah, because that water will be in abundance yes lord jesus make that abundance for all that are standing this morning in the name of jesus abundance of your water that great water oh lord you are the source of that water give them the water this morning and i just pray lord jesus like that woman They you don't have to know everything in the bible that woman just got born again one day and he basically led the whole city the whole community to christ so shall it be for you in the name of jesus amen praise the lord